Well, are you ready for the big game today? Okay. Let me try a different question. How many Colts fans? Let me see your hand. There were more in the first service. How about uh, the Saints? How many Saints? You just have to be for them for their name, huh? How many couldn't care who wins? I think the don't cares have it. Well, I'm still rooting for my team. Well, that's all you're going to see of poor Tony until next year, though. I had someone tell me the worst joke between services. I, 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 I'm hesitant to repeat it, but they asked this question as I was going, they were going out the door. They said, Pastor, what do you call 52 men, 52 millionaires watching the Super Bowl on big screen TV? <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys. I did excommunicate her, so don't worry about it. She will not be here any longer. That's fun. We're going to have a big party after church today, and I hope you join us. We're cooking for 400. Come up here, show me what we got. It's in the powerhouse, but we have hamburgers. What else? Hamburgers, beans, potato salad, cake. And what's on this hamburger? But a not. Huh? This is a veggie burger. This is. I think they got real hamburgers down there. But anyway. <laughs> Big fun after church, and uh, it's a 20s fundraiser, but the price is real affordable. There's going to be fun and games. They're going to do a punt pass and kick for the kids, so it'll be a lot of fun. But it's a way for you to connect with friends, okay? So I hope you'll come down to the powerhouse right after the game. God bless you. Thanks so much. Turn your Bibles this morning to the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4. We just read, we're reading through 2 Timothy in our church Bible reading. I hope you are connecting to God every day of your life. Let me know that's more than just a Sunday experience. But we can connect to God every day at through reading our Bibles. And uh, we've got a Bible guide that we give people. You can follow along with us the same place I'm reading. If you want one, lift your hand, ushers. I bet we've got a couple ushers that will help you out there. Help me out here in the back here. I think our ushers maybe have disappeared on me. But I need a couple helpers there. And if you will just keep your hand lifted, they'll give you a Bible guide. And you can read along with your family. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Here you go. There they are. So if you lift your hand, they'll, they'll help you. Now, Paul the Apostle is writing this passage near the end of his life. He is in prison. And uh, listen to the words that he says. Verse 6, Paul says, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. Now, now think about that. His life has been poured out as an offering to God. Not just money he's gave or serving or some things like that, but his whole life was lived to give back to God in a very special way. Now, how many know that's for us as well? And the time of my death is near. Now listen to what he says the way he lived his life. He said, I have fought the good fight, and I have finished the race, and I've remained faithful. So now he's not saying he's fighting people, but what he's saying is a Christian, we're engaged in a spiritual conflict. It's between good and evil. It's through prayer. It's through our activities. It's what we do. But I've been in a battle. Uh, he said, I have remained faithful to God, which means I didn't quit. I stayed with it. But notice verse 8, and this is the focus of our message today. And now the prize awaits me. Can you say the prize awaits me? It is the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. Which basically Paul is saying that Jesus is coming back one day, that life on this earth is not permanent, but life on this earth is temporary. And because life on this earth is temporary and Christ is coming, one day he will reward me for my efforts. 
Uh, the prize is not just for me, but it's for all who eagerly look forward to his return. Let me say that again. The prize is not just for Paul, but this reward that what God wants to give was not just for a man a couple thousand years ago, but God wants to reward you. He wants to give you a prize for faithful service in your Christian life. And this entire, since January 1st, I have been doing a series called The Next Step. And this latter was a picture of our lives, our spiritual life as a Christian. When you receive Christ as your Savior, it's like you get on board and you're making a journey towards the prize. It's the goal. It's the reward that God has for you. It's what God's called us to do in our life. It's opportunities. It's doors that God's may open to us. Well, as you're climbing this ladder, how many know obviously what God wants us to do is keep taking the next step towards the prize? But we're tempted in life sometimes. As a Christian, we've just decided, you know what? I've gone as far as I want to go. I don't want to go any farther. My level of commitment, my level of sacrifice, my level of obedience, I'm just going to stay where I am. But worse than that, you can go backwards. You can go back into the world or you can say no to God in some way. So that's kind of the simple picture. You can keep going forwards as a Christian in what God's calling you to do. You can stay where you are or you can literally go back. Now, I've got a helper this morning. Michael's going to help me. And I want to illustrate today's message because I believe many people stay where they are because they're chained to their past. Now, let me say it again. Many people, I believe, stay where they are because they're chained to their past. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, as a Christian, as we journey through life, there's things from yesterday that hold on to us. It's like it grip, grips us. And let me give you a big one. How many have been hurt or offended in life? Come on. Every one of us have been hurt by something. Well, what does the Bible call us to do? Yeah, we're supposed to forgive just as Christ has forgiven me. But what happens, sometimes the hurt gets so big and so strong and it's so painful and we're reminded of it that what happens, we just live with that hurt. And this is why people become bitter, they become angry, they're vindictive, uh, they become, they're just, they're not the same anymore because they have allowed a hurt or an offense to define and control their life. How I many know you can be chained to your past because the past hurts? Now, here's another one, and this is a, a little bit different. How many know God may be calling you to do something in your life that's not just between good or bad? How many know there's the difference between good and better? And we're going to look at the life of Abraham, and we'll see that just as God called Abraham to leave where he was and go to Ur of the, uh, leave Ur of the Chaldees and go to the promised land, God was going to make him the father of faith. But guess what? What if you say, God, I don't want to go to this next place. I don't want to go to a better place. I'm just kind of happy where I am with what's good. And how many know many people can get chained where they are to what's good, and they're unwilling to go forwards with what's better? Because how many know, listen, if God has favored you in your life, if he's been kind to you, your next step may involve a sacrifice that you may not be willing to make, and you're satisfied or you're chained to what's good. Now, here's the last one that I can guarantee you can identify with, and this is probably the biggest one for all of us. How many know, as a Christian, we have a new life in Christ? We're born again, which simply means God has changed us and given us a new life. But guess what we've got going on inside of us? We've got what the Bible calls... An old man. Now, the old man has old attitudes, old priorities. There's old friends. There's old places. You know, there's just there's an old lifestyle that we want to just kind of hang on to. And how many know being a Christian is, not, is more than just adding a Bible verse or two, but it's letting go of the old man and walking in newness of life as a Christian. 
It's letting go of some things from the past. It's breaking some relationships that are pulling you down. It's letting go of some bad habits. Well, guess what? If you are bound like this, if you are chained because of hurts and offenses, if you are chained to the good and are not willing to sacrifice for the better, or if you're chained to your old life, you'll never go forwards. Michael, can you go get that prize? And I want you to see, no matter how he may strive and pull, and he may genuinely try to do it, just like I guarantee you today, when we were worshiping the Lord, many of you here today were trying to yield your life to God, but you can't go forwards if something has you chained to the past. And how many know each one of these chains needs to be removed in a very special way? And that's what I want to talk about this morning, about letting, uh, unloosing the chains that binds you in life, all right? So this morning, I'm going to start with, uh, with the first one, which is being chained to hurts and offense. And I want you to take a peek. And I hope we hadn't lost the key, Michael, because that'd be uncomfortable there for the next 40 minutes. Go ahead and hit the lights and take a peek at this video about being chained to a hurt. Forgive? After what she did to me? Yep, yeah, right. I'm not giving her that satisfaction. You think she'd forgive me? I don't think so. I can't let her walk all over me like that. I hope she feels guilty for a long time. I mean, I've got me to think about. I'll show her. She'll see. I'm gonna make her pay. Now, for, forgiveness is an interesting concept in the Bible. What it does is it addresses something that's common to all of us, because in life, every one of us has two dynamics going on. Number one is how many know we've all sinned against God? Everybody in this room, we all want God to give us what? Justice or mercy? Mercy. mercy. We want God to forgive us. But the problem is when people sin against us, when they do something against us, when they lie to us, when they hurt us, and, 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 and we keep remembering it, it's kind of before our face all the time, it becomes a chain that binds us. Now, forgiveness by its most simple definition is not a forgetting. I wish I could just erase everything, but forgiveness is a turning justice over to God. It's letting it go out of my hands and giving justice or getting even to God. Because when I hold unforgiveness in my heart, it's like it's a way that I punish them. And some of you, if you're real outgoing and assertive, how, how many people, uh, it's really easy for you to show your anger. Let me see your hand here. Just easy to slap somebody. Okay, yeah, all right. All right, well, that, it's pretty quick. You know how you punish somebody. I mean, you're in their face. Well, how many know there's another way to punish people? It's a passive-aggressive nature. We just don't return your phone calls. We don't return your emails. We don't return your text messages. We kind of dish you in a very quiet, subtle way. How many people operate like that? Let me see your hand. Yeah, how many people wouldn't raise their hand no matter what I would say? Okay, all right. So there's different dynamics, but the essence is the same, is we get hurt, we get offended, and we don't want to let the other person go. We don't want to give them mercy. We want to give them justice. And it's a problem with that because Jesus, in the Lord's Prayer, when we pray that God would forgive our sins, guess what we add to it? In the same way that I forgive other people. 
which means if I don't release people, if I don't let them go because of what they've done, if I don't turn them over to God, guess what will happen? God won't forgive me. Let's look at a passage. It's in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. The New Living Translation records it this way. Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? That's a good question. The Lord, or he said seven times. Now, seven is the number of perfection. Peter was thinking he's doing a pretty good thing. But Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times, which is how much? Yeah, 490. 490 times. Now, Jesus is not saying you keep a journal and you're saying, I've forgiven you 132 times, 133 times, 140. Oh, you're at 489. I've got one more time. That's not what he's saying. He's basically saying an unlimited amount. In other words, in the same way that I have given you unlimited mercy, you're to give it to other people as well. Therefore, verse 23, the kingdom of heaven, which means this is the way God's economy works. Now, when I talk about forgiveness, that doesn't mean that there's not consequences. How many know the same Bible that talks about forgiveness talks about civil government and civil authority? There's some things that people do wrong. We see them on the front page of our newspaper every day. And there's consequences for crimes or for sins. But guess what? Those, those consequences are not in my hands. It's not that I'm taking justice. I'm forgiving. Because I guarantee you, many people that have seen the person that hurt them in jail or prison, they still carry the wounds in their hearts. Come on. How many know that? And it's only when I forgive do I let a person go. Jesus said, this is the way the kingdom of heaven operates. It's like a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who'd borrowed money from him. Now, God himself is this king. In the process, verse 24, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Now, this is a picture of our sinfulness. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. Now, the law allowed this, so he owed so much money, and this is a step beyond modern bankruptcy. I mean, you lose everything. You go to jail. Your family goes to jail. Everything is liquidated because this is what justice is all about. And how many know when someone hurts us, that's what they need? Trick question. It may be what, you know, we want to give them, but guess what? If we do that, we're in big trouble. This is what justice is about. It's what our sin demands. Judgment's involved. But look at verse 26. It's a concept called mercy is introduced. The man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I'll pay all of it. And his master was filled with what? With pity or compassion. And he released him and what did he do? He forgave his debt. He wrote it off, would be the modern day term. Well, that's exactly what God has done with your sins and mine. When you, and this, see, this is the essence of becoming a Christian. Is when you come to God and you say, God, I have sinned. I have done wrong to you. Would you forgive me? Would you wash my sins away? And that's exactly what God does. God washes our sins away and he gives us a brand new start. Well, it's a wonderful thing that happens. But notice in the story now, here the focus shifts. This parable is about something going on in the world and, and, and Jesus is saying, let me tell you how it works in people's hearts. And the shift in the story is this. The shift is not how we're treated by God. It's how we treat other people who do us wrong. Notice what it says, verse 28. When the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. In other words, now somebody's sinning against me. Somebody's hurting me. Someone's lied to me. Someone's taken advantage of me in some way. He grabbed this man by the throat and demanded instant payment. See, we all want justice. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded. 
But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. And they went to the king and told him everything that had happened. You see the duplicity? What I want from God is I want him to release me when I mess up. But when other people mess up towards me, I want to exact getting even. I want, to, I, want, I want vengeance. This is why you have so many drive-by shootings in America today. This is why so many people end up in jail because someone did them wrong. Someone dissed them. Someone made fun of them. Someone stole from them. So they're going to get even. They're going to get punished. And that's the way kind of the world works. But the king called in the man who had been forgiven. And he said, you evil servant, I forgave you a tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Now look at verse 33. It's a powerful verse. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Now it doesn't mean that, 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 that you're saying, well, what you did was not a big deal. Because listen, a lot of us have been hurt and it was a big deal. It was wrong and there's no way about it. It was wrong. So when you forgive someone, you're not saying that what you did was not a big deal. You're simply saying, I'm going to turn the justice over to God. I'm going to let God take care of it and I'm not going to punish you. Verse 34, the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. Now, verse 35 is quite telling. That's why this is such an important point. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So, just as a man was thrown in prison because of what he did, God says, you're going to be in prison if you don't forgive me. Which is simply saying, you're going to be chained up on the inside if you hold this person in your heart. And it's going to affect your relationship with me. It's going to keep you from going forwards simply because you're not willing to release other people who have done you wrong. Because here's the truth, friend. You cannot go forwards until you forgive from your past. Let me ask you this question. Has, a, has, has anyone ever asked you to forgive them and you didn't say anything? You're pretty quiet on me this morning. Have you ever asked someone, will you forgive me? And it was quiet. Why is that? Because they're in human nature. Listen, we all want, we've been hurt, so we want to hurt back. And it's a difficult thing to do is to grant forgiveness. See, and what forgiveness is doing is it's transferring the responsibility for justice to God and off our shoulders. Now, let me tell you the only practical way I could demonstrate this to you. Because forgiveness is a process. It's not a one-time act. Let me say it again. Forgiveness does not mean I forgive you and I forget all about it. Because you know, just like I know, when someone hurts you, it lingers. And the deeper the hurt, the longer it stays. I want to suggest to you that you look at your hand as your life. And let's just say this is some chapstick. Look at it as the offense or the wound. Someone's hurt me very deeply. And I'm hurting and I'm angry and inside and I'm chained. When I choose to forgive them, I do two things. Number one, I open my hand, which means I don't want to keep it. And two is I throw it to God. If you can imagine me just not catching it. But I throw it to God and I release it. The problem is, sooner or later, it falls back in your hand. And this is the question for you. What do you do when it falls back in your hand? Which means when it comes back in your mind. You may be cutting your grass. And all of a sudden, this thought pops in your mind. Before you know it, rather than singing a worship song, you're just about ready to cuss. You're angry or you're in tears. Because it's fallen back in your hands, and rather than throwing it back, you hold on to it. I'm going to suggest to you, every time it comes back to you, the way forgiveness works is you throw it back. And lo and behold, the more times you keep throwing it back to God, you'll find one day that it doesn't fall back in your hand. See, and something that is hugely helpful. See, Jesus told us to pray for our enemies and those that... Yeah, persecute us or despitefully use us. When I begin to pray for the person who hurt me, 
And I don't mean pray that God would, you know, cut their head off. But I mean pray for them. Listen, that God would forgive them and God would help them not be that bad a person. Jesus even told us to bless those that have treated us wrongly. It is the opposite of this unforgiveness thing because I'll tell you this. You will be bound and they may not even know that you're trying to punish them, but it'll chain you to your past and you won't be able to go forwards to your future. Someone say praise the Lord this morning. Now, at the end of our message, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to these because I believe something powerful can happen when there's a place of faith and you've made the right choice with God. I'm going to ask you at the end of the service, and you don't have to tell a soul, but I think you need to respond to God because if you've got some unforgiveness in your heart, how many know you know it right now? As I've been talking, you've been thinking about that person, and you're thinking, how did that guy know? Why is he talking to me like that this morning? I came to get some Bible information, not for him to step on my toes. I came, well, let me tell you what that is. That's the Holy Spirit at work in you. And you may not even realize that you're bound. I got an email a couple weeks ago from someone, a preacher friend, that hurt me deeply about 10 years ago. And I didn't even know that it still bothered me, but when I got the letter, I realized, now, now what do I need to do? Have I forgiven this guy? Are you with me today? See, you've got to make sure because you may not even know that you may be chained. Let's look at the second one. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 12. And this one is a little bit different. Let me know the Christian life is not always about the difference between good and bad. Sometimes you can be chained to something good. And hear me now. You may have to, you may have to sacrifice something good to get something better. What am I talking about? I'm talking about, we're going to use the example of Abraham. Because in your Christian life, you may find that there's some things in your life that are not bad. Where you are is not a bad place, but God wants you to go farther. And this is a great challenge because sometimes the difference is not between good and bad. It's between good and better. But sometimes we're not willing to make the sacrifice to go towards the better because of what it's going to cost us. But listen, if you make the sacrifice, it'll always be worth it. Look with me, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, now, how do we know this man in the New Testament? What's his name? Abraham. But at this time of his life, he's right here. And he's got to make a choice because God has a whole new destiny for this man called Abram. Listen to the story. Leave your country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. Now, what does that mean? That means just what it says. He is supposed to leave his family. He's supposed to say goodbye to dad. Not knowing if he'd ever come back, he's supposed to make a sacrifice. Say, well, how does that apply to me? What if the Lord spoke to you to take a construction trip to Haiti in the coming months? Or a missions trip? But when it came down to it on the calendar, you realized you couldn't go on your vacation with your friends to Florida, or you couldn't go on the cruise if you went on the missions trip. You're way too quiet this morning. They were amening in the first service. It makes me think that the people behind you are feeling a little something on this one. But at some point, listen, there's nothing wrong with going on a cruise. Invite my wife and I. We'd love to go with you. Nothing wrong with taking the cruise. But the problem is, is if God is calling me to do something different, and I'm unwilling to make the sacrifice, is what God promised Abraham. I'm going to make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make you famous, and you'll be a blessing to others. So Abram left Haran as the Lord God had told him. Now listen, life in Haran was probably not bad. How I many know if God calls us to leave something that, that, that's not that, that it's terrible? In other words, what if God said, uh, hey, let's, let's say you're um, a homeless person 
and, and you're having to live in a homeless shelter. You're having to live on the street and just struggle to survive. And somebody says, hey, why don't you come and live in my house? And by the way, I got an extra car. I'll let you drive the car. I mean, no, that's a good thing. There's no sacrifice in that. But sometimes God may cause you to do something that really is you really don't want to do in the natural. It's got some difficulty attached to it. It may be something you're afraid of. You know, we do a lot of missions work in our church. But one of the main reasons I'm motivated behind it happened about probably 18 years ago, 17 years ago, when a, a construction man and a, and a missionary said, we want you to go to Mexico with us. I didn't like to fly on airplanes that much now, and I didn't like to back then. But I prayed about it, and I felt like God wanted me to go. And when I went down there and I touched the third world, it did something on my heart that nothing I could ever do by seeing CNN or television or Fox News or reading about could ever do. I touched something. And it forever changed my life. Well, how many know there's nothing wrong with being in Texarkana, but you may be in Texarkana when it's good, when what God wants you to do is something better. And this particular thing you're chained to is you're chained to something good because this is the truth. You've got to sacrifice the good to get the better. Can you say that with me? You've got to sacrifice the good to get the better. Sacrifice means that I give up something precious for something more valuable. Let me say it again. A sacrifice means that I give up something precious for something more valuable. Let me tell you a story about my life. When I was about 22, it was 30 years ago, I was getting out of the Navy. It was just right around the corner. It was just a couple of months away, and I had my future all planned out. I knew what I wanted to do. I, I, uh, before I joined the Navy, I was on a college scholarship. I was a punter. I wanted to go back. Uh, they had a football team at the Navy base, and we were playing other junior colleges. And, you know, that was going well. I was on the team. Uh, I wanted to get out of the Navy, and I wanted to go to college, but I wanted to study agriculture and theology. My dad had a farm. I, had a, I, I enjoyed that type of life and, and what it entailed, but uh, I wanted to preach. So I had it all figured out. I was going to go to school, I was going to get an education, then I was going to go work with my dad Monday through Friday and preach on the weekends. And everything was going to be perfect. The only problem, though, that was the good, and God had something that was better. God had something in a different location and in a different capacity in my life. But how many know if you're not willing to let go of the good, you'll never find the better? And there's defining moments in your life. And let me tell you what my defining moment was. I was at Moffett Field, California. And in that particular Navy base, if you can imagine on one side, like over here is the barracks and the chow hall and, and the football field was over here. And then there was a long airport runway in the middle. And on the other side was w where we worked on, uh, worked on the airplanes. And I, was, I worked in electronics and I worked in electronic equipment. And this little bitty gray bus would go from one side of the base to the other. Well, I was on the football field that day and it, I was doing really good as well as I'd ever kicked before. And that little gray bus rode by one day. And something inside made me say, you know what? I think I'd rather be on that bus than on this field. Because on that bus was a group of Navy sailors. It was a training base. And every day I'd wake up in the morning and I had two pockets in the front of my shirt. One of them I'd put a little Gideon's Bible in. And the other I filled up with Bible tracts. And all day long, I'd be giving out tracts. I'd be talking to people about Jesus. I'd be discipling people at breakfast at 5 in the morning. I'd be witnessing to people on the bus. And it was almost like God was saying... What you're doing is not bad, but I've got something better for you. And I remember the day I went to the coach. I took my pads off, and I said, listen, I'm not going to play ball anymore. I've never quit anything in my life. But sometimes you have to let go of something good to get something better. And I'm going to encourage you today, friend. I don't know what the good may be in your life, but if God is asking you to let go of something, you better believe that he's got something better down the road. 
Because Abram would have been Abraham the rest of his life, Abram, unless he was willing to say yes to God, and he became Abraham, the father of faith. Give the Lord a big hand this morning. Let's look at the last one. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and this is one I guarantee you we can all relate to. To go forwards, you've got to let go of something in your old life. Now, what do I mean by that? Your old life. When you become a Christian, it's more than just picking up a few Bible verses. It's more than just going to church on the weekends. Literally, something happens on the inside. You become born again. You're saved. You're a new person. You know, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a what? New creation. Old things are past. All things are become new. But how many know there's still a struggle inside? When I became a Christian, I began to be convicted of some things that I was doing that was wrong that didn't bother me before. How many know if you're living in sin and everybody else is living in sin, nobody's bothered by it? Your conscience isn't bothered. Nobody says anything. It's what characterizes your life. But when you become a Christian, God expects you to walk away from some things. And here's the problem. For many of us in our life, it's like our old life, we still like it. We like the places we used to go. We like the things we used to do. We like the, the places we used to hang. And everything about our life, we like it. And we just kind of like to add Jesus to it rather than walk away from some things. Now, don't get too quiet on me now or I'll think you're guilty this morning. Now, this is different. Ephesians 4.22. Look at the passage. The Bible says you were taught to leave your old self. Can you say, leave your old self? Stop living the evil way you lived before. It's like one translation says you're to take off the old man. That old self becomes worse because people are fooled by the evil things they want to do. But you were taught to be made new in your hearts. You were taught to be made new in your hearts to become a new person. So put on your new nature. The new person is made to be like God, made to be truly good and, and truly holy. So what's it saying? It's saying that as a Christian, I now have two people living on the inside. And I don't mean you're schizophrenic. But I mean you have a new nature. It's born again. It's saved. It wants to do what's right. Listen, the new nature, let's say on, let's say on Saturday, if you used to be in the party lifestyle, uh, on Saturday night, that's a big night. And who wants to go? Nothing starts happening until after midnight. I mean, at least it didn't a long time ago. But you know, if you stay out past midnight, two in the morning, you're probably not going to want to get up and go to church in the morning. Are you with me? Because if you get up and go to church in the morning, your head's hurting. You surely don't want to come to church. Come on, because it's hard to put on the happy face. So there's a tug of war that's going on. First, you start saying, you know, I'm going to go home a little early tonight. And then you know all the names that you get called. And then you know the temptation that started added your way. But this is a, a war. Listen, and any of you, most all of you, I can certainly relate to it. But there's a war that's going on. And finally, you have to say, you know what? I can't live in both worlds. It's like you have your feet, you, you have your feet on a pier, and that pier is your old life. And Jesus Christ comes into your life, and he says, come on board. And you put one foot on the ship. So one foot's on the pier, and one's on the ship. Well, guess what? The ship wants to pull away. And it's like you can go a little bit. Now, I can't do the splits. I don't know how far I can go. But, but at some point, you've got to decide. You've got to say, the old way is better, or I want the new way. And that's what I'm telling you today. You can't have it both ways. 
You can't have God's favor and you can't have His goodness overcome you and overtake you. You're not going to be productive as a Christian. You're not going to be successful, come on, in the Christian life unless you let go of the old and grab hold of the new. And, and listen, nobody can undo this chain from you but who? But you. Let me tell you a story about a friend of mine. It's about 30 years ago. This guy was, was real worldly, and when he got saved, he got really saved. He got radical for Jesus. You know people like that. See, people that have a definite past and a definite future when they come to Christ. Now listen to the story. When this guy was living for the devil, he did it strong, and he was good at it. When he started living for Christ, he started being extra, exceptionally well at living the Christian life. But the problem was, for my friend, is he still liked to do the thing, some of the things in the old world. It's amazing how when you become a Christian, I found this to be true. When I became a Christian, some things in my life I no longer had desire for. They just left. But then there were some things I still like to do. How about you? And it's like they held on. And some of those things still want back in my life 30 years later. But you know what? You can't have it both ways. What God wants you to do is He wants you to be completely His. Well, my friend would try to live in both worlds. And deep inside, he really wanted some of his old life. And he would touch it. He liked the feeling that was a part of his life. You know what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter what it was. But you know what the feeling's like. You know what's going on. Well, one day he said he had this experience, and he was enjoying his old life. And when he was doing this old thing, it was just like he had slapped Christ in the face. It's like he just slammed the door on Jesus. And it was then that he realized, I can't have it both ways. It was then that he realized, I've either got to go with Christ or away from him, but I can't do it both ways. It was then that my friend made a choice, because you see, his Christian witness was more important than his personal pleasure and fun. And he made a choice and he stepped up on the ladder. Now let me tell you, that friend was me and that was 30 years ago and I've never regretted it. Doesn't matter what my issue was, but we've all got issues in life. How many know that? And there comes a place in life where we've got to be willing to let go of the things that's bound us and make a step towards Christ. Here's how I want to close our service today. I want you to think about these chains in life. And I wonder what has you bound. Maybe it's something from your old life. Maybe it's something good for something better. Or maybe it's forgiveness. I wonder if today as I was talking, if you need to forgive somebody today, if something from your past is controlling you, and you need to begin releasing it rather than holding on. I wonder if maybe there's an experience you're having and the Holy Spirit's calling you like He did me. Playing ball on that field was good, but there was something better that I had to say yes to God and make a sacrifice. But this last one, because we've all got friends from our past. It's the old people trying to bring us to the old places to do the old things that make us end up in the same old way. Maybe it's time you came to a place where you stop calling those old, old friends friends and say, you know what, you're an enemy because that thing is chaining me and I don't want to be like that anymore. I want you to bow your heads a moment this morning. This is between you and God. Nobody else needs to know about it. But you need to respond to Christ. You see, God has a plan for your life. God's got something big and something special on the horizon that only you can do. There's a calling that's on your life. There's a prize. Remember what we read about. It's the high calling of, of God in Christ. Paul the Apostle said, I forget those things that are behind. And there's one thing I do, but I press forwards to gain this prize in Christ Jesus. 
Well, I wonder if you're here this morning and you'll say, Pastor, when you were talking about unforgiveness, you were talking right to me. There's something that happened to me in the past and it's been really hard for me to let go. It's almost defined and controlled my life. It's chained me and I don't want to hold it any longer. Today I want to make a decision. I'm going to turn it over to Christ. Today I'm going to open my hand and I'm not going to hold it. And when it falls back in my hand, I'm not going to grab it again. I'm going to throw it back because I want to be free from my past. I want to let the person go. I want to give them mercy even though they hurt me or they offended me very deeply. If that's you today. I want you to just lift your hand right now. Nobody looking around, nobody's business. But you're saying the Spirit of God's talking to me that I need to forgive. Yeah, many more. Come on, lift your hand. Nobody looking around. It's you and God, but you need to say it. You need to say it. Now, Holy Spirit, you're seeing the hands of these people that are reaching to heaven right now. Let's all do this now. Keep your eyes closed in this prayerful state. But I want all of us just to kind of lift our hands to heaven and say, God, we all want to give you today our hurts and our wounds and our offenses. Those things that happened for many of us in childhood, for some of us it came through the pain of a, of a, of a, of a parent, of a spouse, of a, of a good friend, of a teacher, of a coach, of a business associate. It could have been an enemy that I never knew that took advantage of me, violated me in some way. But today, Lord, I forgive them. Today, Lord, I choose to turn justice over to you, and I don't want to hold them back any longer. I want to release them to God. I want to turn them over today, and I want you to free me. I don't want to be bitter or angry any longer. I want you to do something supernatural in me. So my part, God, is to choose to forgive. And your part, Lord, is to heal me. So I ask you to free me today in Jesus' name. And nobody looking around, let me ask you the second question. I want you to invite the Holy Spirit in this. Maybe you're here today, and as I spoke about the difference between good and better, maybe the Holy Spirit showed you something in life, something He's calling you to do. A sacrifice he's calling you to make. For me, it was on that football field when everything was great. I wasn't leaving a problem. I was leaving something good for something better. But the Holy Spirit, I knew where he was calling. And I just had to say yes. I wonder if you're here this morning is a day. Today is a day for you to say yes. Today is a day to make a decision. To make some sacrifice of something good for something better. Would you lift your hand if that's you this morning? Just do it quickly. Yeah. Now, Lord, you look around. You know, what, you know what's going on, Holy Spirit. If you're wrestling right now, just slip your hand to God. It's a freeing thing. Say, Lord, I hear your word now. I, I, I want to walk away from it. I want to walk away from it. And I want to help you to help me make the turn because it may be a bit painful. Some of you may have to get out of a relationship. Some of you are in a relationship that's hurting you. It's pulling you back. It's holding you down. Holy Spirit, I ask you to give us grace as we do this today. I ask you to meet us with open arms as we exchange the good for the better in the journey up that ladder towards the prize. And now the last one, if you're here this morning and you'll say, Pastor, when you were talking about your old life, you were speaking to me. I've got some things from my past, some old friends, some old habits, some old attitudes, some old ambitions that I need to let go of because they don't fit my new Christian life. I've got some things that I used to enjoy, that used to define me, that I've wanted to hold on to for a long time. But I realize I can't keep one foot on the pier and one foot on the boat. I've got to make a choice. And today, I choose Christ. Today, I ask God to make me into a holy person, a righteous person. I ask God to change me on the inside and make all things new. That's you this morning, and there's an old man struggle in your life that you want to turn over to God today. I want you to lift your hand this morning. 
Nobody looking around is not their business. It's something from your past. That's it. Many people today, you're saying yes to God this morning. Yes to nobody but you and God. I hear you, Lord. Now, Lord, would you just let your Holy Spirit fall afresh on us? Come on, everyone. Let's just, why don't you stand to your feet? Let's just lift our hands to heaven. We're going to just sing this song a minute. Make all things new. Come on, worship with me just a minute. Asking God for grace. Back, to make ahead, a Away from the past. thousand years ago Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden and they had a wonderful life they were free to do anything they wanted to do there was no bondages no mosquitoes no pain no death they lived in a problem-free world but God said I'm gonna put up one boundary there's a tree in this garden that you're to stay away from because if you transgress if you violate that you'll die and pain will come in the human race what will happen is you will chain the whole human race something called sin and every person that'll ever be born will never able to find freedom because of what you did and it's called sin the problem is every one of us are born in sin in Psalm 51 David said my mother brought me forth in iniquity or sin that's the way I came into this world the problem is nobody can get up to that ladder if that ladder is heaven if that prize you can't do it you can't go to church enough times you can't be good enough to go to heaven you need someone to take the chain of sin off your life and that's what Jesus Christ did on the cross 2,000 years ago. He died in our place. And it's like for every person that would ever be born, Jesus offered the opportunity to take the judgment of sin away. Remember the parable we read at first where the man who was owed millions of dollars? That's us. It's a sin debt we could never repay to God. Well, God said, I did it on the cross. And I give you the opportunity to have a brand new life where your sins can be behind you. And my forgiveness will wash your sins away. Well, guess what? Jesus Christ did that 2,000 years ago. He died on the cross for our sins. But you have to make a step to God. The same step I made as a 19-year-old boy when I heard Christ calling me and I realized I was going this way, but Christ wanted me to go up the ladder after Him. And I finally had to bow my knee to Christ. I had to ask for His forgiveness and turn and follow Him. And I want to tell you, something happened to me. It happened to me. It was a dramatic, it was a life-changing event because I realized my great need for God. And maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, you're talking to me now. I need to be saved. I need to be born again. I need to have my sins washed away. I need a brand new start with God. My friends, it can happen today. You commit your life to Christ. 
If you ask for forgiveness, but if you commit your life to follow Him, somehow the Holy Spirit will take that prayer and He'll make you into a brand new person. So if you're here today, I want to offer this prayer for you, this last prayer. If you want to get your life right with God, if you want to be saved today, if you want to have your sins washed away, be sure that you're going to heaven and not hell. It may be the first time you've ever prayed to receive Christ, or you might have gotten away from Him, and today you want to come back. Either case, if you're here today and say, Pastor, today is my day to get right with God. I want someone to pray for me. We'd be honored to. Would you lift your hand real quickly? and Do it quickly this morning. You're here this morning. I want to get right with God today. I want to get right with God this morning. I want to put my trust in Christ. All right. Well, praise the Lord. You bring a friend. Someone raise a hand. I can't see. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, I see a couple. Come on up here then. If you raise your hand, come on up. I can't see. Make this short. Come on up. We'll pray for you. Come on up. We'll pray for you. Someone in the center section here, we'll pray for you too. Come on up. I need to get right with God today. I guarantee you there's many that are here today. I need to get right with God this morning. Come on, dear. Someone's going to meet her as she comes. Anyone else this morning? I need to get right with God. Someone will pray for you. Give her another big hand this morning. God bless you, dear. We're very, very proud of you. We're very proud of you. Listen, you've got a perfect person right there, dear. She'll pray with you. She'll talk to you. And she'll help you kind of understand this next step. We're real proud of you. Hey, my time's up. Listen, Linnell's going to close the service. But uh, it, it, let me give you a personal invitation. If you'd like to be a part of our church family, we'd love to welcome you. As soon as the service is over, if you'll just go to the little connect room. It's right across the hall. We've got staff in there. They'll meet you and just say, hey, I'm ready to get involved in this place. I want to make it my church home. There'll be somebody to meet you there. Listen, I love you. I look forward to seeing you at the powerhouse at the Super Bowl party. And Linnell has the closing prayer. Amen. But Lord, I just want to bless this congregation. I want to say thank you, Lord, that we are not going back, but we are moving ahead. And you are unlocking the chains, Lord, that have kept us bound to our former life. And we thank you for freedom. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Well, God bless you all and see you at Powerhouse for our pregame party.